Hello, my name is Richard Fern. I'm joined today by two research fellows from the Centre for Management Under Regulation of the University of Warwick, Dr Bridget Woodman and Dr Catherine Mitchell. You're about to release a report which is part of the Government Energy Review, which has looked into nuclear power and also sustainable resources as part of the future, future power generation for this country. Um, there is a debate between those who say we should be uh, investing in nuclear power and those who say we should be investing in sustainable resources. How does your new paper inform that debate? Our report is saying that for the government to support a new nuclear programme now is uh, completely wrong, that not only will it not address the challenges of climate change, but it will make it worse. It is saying that nuclear power... Uh, demands such huge resources to encourage investment, whether those resources be financial or institutional, that those resources must undermine the development of other low-carbon technologies. And as such, nuclear power is not a complementary technology. But but there is a very important second um, Uh, point within the report. The government has four goals of energy policy relating to competitiveness, um, sustainability, um, social concerns and security matters. Now we are arguing that on all counts following the nuclear route will make those energy goals more difficult to achieve. That's all very well, surely, but let's see. We've had uh, the first reactor was opened in Cumbria in 1957. It's an established technology. We have, what, 23 reactors on nine sites at the moment. Surely these things are already doing the job, whereas other technologies simply aren't up to it. Well, it comes down to a question of whether or not nuclear power is a sustainable technology. And the fact is we've had, as you say, 50 years of the nuclear industry in this country, and what they've done is produce uneconomic power that has to be subsidised by consumers or taxpayers and who have led a huge legacy of nuclear waste for which there is as yet no solution. So in the, if you're taking a sort of environmental perspective about how to deal with climate change, you have to look at what, what is the most sustainable technology to address that. And the fact is nuclear power isn't sustainable, whereas increasing energy efficiency or the use of renewable technologies is much less environmentally damaging and therefore yeah, the more sustainable option. And yet France generates 80% of its energy from nuclear power. Finland generates 27%. They've just opened uh, some deep mines where they're going to be burying their energy and they set, but burying their waste rather and they say that's quite safe. France feels the same way. I have quotes here from uh, British nuclear fuels who say that they're quite happy with... with uh, burying this stuff underground. They also say that at the moment the problem is managed and that the new reactors they're bringing online at the moment or would like to bring online at the moment will be much cleaner. Well, that's what BNFL's position is entirely entirely contradicted by the government's advisory panel that's looking at the moment at nuclear waste management options and that's called um, Quorum, the Committee for the the Management of Radioactive Waste. And what what they've actually found is that although the 
new nuclear reactors will produce less waste in terms of volume, the, the, it, the waste it produces will be much, much more radioactive. So in other words, it's posing a, threat over, uh, a much greater threat over a longer period of time than nuclear waste from current reactors. Um, France does indeed have a large proportion of um, its power from nuclear energy, and it's pretty much unique um, in terms of the political situation that's created that. Um, whereas in the UK, the nuclear industry was eventually privatised. It's not the, unique. Uh, Germany, 28%. Spain, 24%. Switzerland, 40%. Sweden, 50%. F- Belgium, 55%. I think that we're, we're getting com- confused here mm. between current... Uh, nuclear power stations and building new nuclear power stations. The old power stations that are working at the moment have been developed within monopoly uh, situations and the the costs associated with those power plants, which is essentially the construction and then the decommissioning, has all been taken away from them. So they are able to compete within the competitive markets because the only costs that they're having to have covered are essentially the generation costs. Now, with new nuclear power plants in liberalised markets, they have to cover the um, construction costs, they have to cover their operating costs, and they have to cover their decommissioning costs. And therefore, uh, the new nuclear power plants are completely uncompetitive. How can you talk about... The, the on costs of nuclear power when we don't when obviously nuclear nuclear waste lasts for quite a long time how can you estimate those costs well you can't that's the problem um, partly you can't because um, the, in this country at least there is no planned route for dealing with that nuclear waste they don't know whether they're going to continue to store it above ground or whether they're going to dig a great big hole stick it in and walk away um, so they don't know, you know they, they don't actually know the physical costs of the infrastructure for dealing with it they also don't know what the um, environmental costs of it are going to be in terms of the releases to the environment and impacts on future generations so costs that you see attached to dealing with nuclear waste into the future are inherently uncertain and that's one of the greater the the sort of the huge concerns that um that people have about investing in new nuclear stations how much would a new a new nuclear program cost us do you think in broad numbers the the, um the sustainable development commission has just recently put out a paper which looks at the difficulty of estimating the costs of nuclear power what nuclear power costs is genuinely uncertain. We do not know. Now, in relation to renewables, we do know how much a kilowatt hour of renewables, of different renewable technologies, would cost. And therefore, depending on how much renewable energy you want, we know how much the cost of that programme would be. Nuclear power has been supported for 50 years, but we don't know by how much over those 50 years. Talking about the costs of nuclear power is uh, one of the nuclear industry's greatest weapons because, because they have for so many decades kept those costs uh, very untransparent. It's very difficult for... Uh, to to get evidence together, to be able to argue for those costs. And that is fundamentally and qualitatively different from renewable energy technologies. 
Well, I think the nuclear industry has got a, a history which um, you know, is, is long acknowledged of being completely over-optimistic about what its costs actually are. Um, our argument is not so much about what the actual generating costs of um, a wind plant or a nuclear plant will be, because um, those costs will be determined by the degree of subsidy that is given to a particular technology. Our argument is that the level of subsidy in general terms of building a huge, great one gigawatt nuclear power station, the, lev the level of subsidy, both financial and institutional, um, far outweighs the level of subsidy that is required to build the same amount of wind, star wind power. But we can still do both. I mean, bearing in mind how important everybody now is saying climate change is, we can just put money into both, can't we? No, we can't do that. Uh, there is a certain amount of money for energy, and if nuclear power gets a large proportion of that spend that is allowed, then the spend that could otherwise have gone to renewables won't go there. That is the realities of uh, the way that government work. Governments put money into new technologies to develop them as new options, and one would expect... So the cost of those technologies to come down. Now, the, the point about nuclear power is, if the government were to support a new nuclear power programme, we know that those costs won't come down. They will be the same for however many years ahead that, the, that those power plants need to be supported, which the government doesn't know about now, which the customer will have to pay for. The point about renewables and developing a renewables programme is is that if you put the same amount of money into renewables now, the costs of those renewables will come down so that eventually they will become competitive and, and the government doesn't have to continue ad infinitum in this unknown way, continue to pay for them. In fact, the nuclear industry say that they think there should be a mix of sustainable power and nuclear power and gas and coal-fired stations and they say that that's the most reasonable way forward. Well, that's the point about our report. The, the fundamental argument, that the, the, the last argument, actually, that the nuclear industry is able to put forward because they have, over time, put forward other sort of arguments which have been shown to be wrong. And the final argument that they have got is that climate change is such an important thing that all technologies have to be harnessed together so that they can work together harmoniously to overcome this great challenge. The point is that because nuclear power undermines the other technologies, um, it is not complementary to the development of these other technologies, and therefore government does have to make a choice between going down the nuclear route, which would require these huge resources, and the decentralised route of, of, of all these other technologies. The fact is, at the moment, sustainable resources cannot supply this country's electricity needs. The UK's got one of the best resources in wind power and wave power in the world. Um, yeah, the fact is that wind power on its own could effectively supply this country's electricity demand several times over. What the problem is, is that these are new technologies that haven't had the institutional and financial resources that the nuclear industry has enjoyed over time, and therefore haven't been able to achieve the same degree of um, acceptance within the electricity system. What we want to see is, is that uh, and in a sense, this is why nuclear power would undermine them, because if you go down the nuclear route, you're putting huge amounts of, of money and um, resources into building you know, a few very large stations, whereas, in fact, what you need to be doing is putting smaller amounts of money and, sm and a less 
demanding sort of set of institutional uh, resources into into building a much more diverse set of renewable technologies. That's a hell of a risk to take, isn't it? It's not. It's quite well, it's a hell of a risk to take to build nuclear power stations too. You've got to make a choice between um, building sustainable energy options or building something that's very large, expensive, and produces nuclear waste. And actually, it is not a risk at all. On the whole, um, countries around the world, most countries around the world started developing renewable energy policies from the beginning of the 90s. So we now have an enormous amount of evidence uh, about what sort of policies work if you wish to deliver renewable energy. The European Commission itself has just put out a review of the European countries um, and they show effectively that the policy that the UK in place is both more expensive and less effective than most other uh, policies in Europe. If the government wished to have renewable energy deployment, they could uh, deliver renewables by changing the policies. So, whereas the evidence about how to deliver renewable electricity capacity um, is very strong, for example, Spain and Germany delivered more renewable capacity in the last year than we have done in the last 15 years... So if the government wished to deliver renewable energy capacity, uh, it is clear how to do that. On the opposite side, the risk to government of going down the nuclear route is huge. Catherine, if, if this is all such a good idea, how come Labour aren't sold on the idea of sustainability? I, I think that they did think that it was important in the beginning of the 2000s. The problem is they put in place ineffective policies, policies which don't fit with the evidence of what you need to put in place if you really want these things to work and therefore they have not delivered renewable energy capacity on the ground and they haven't managed to reduce demand. Now if they were to um, put the appropriate policies in place they could deliver renewables and they could deliver demand reduction. Nevertheless because they have been so unsuccessful they have decided that they want to be seen to be doing something and so they seem in a, in a, in, to, in what is to me a completely simplistic and unsophisticated manner they've just decided to go for what they're trying to package as the easy option which is nuclear power Bridget you're shaking your head well I'm not exactly shaking my head I was, I was, I was going to expand something that Catherine was saying which is that if you build a new nuclear power station if they take a decision at the end of this year say to start building a nuclear power station that power station isn't going to come online till 2018 at the earliest it's not going to deliver any sort of short term emissions reductions but if you've got the government saying okay we want a program of 10 reactors the first one will come online in you know in 13 15 years time whenever um they in that in that interim they can they can be seen to be doing something in the sense that they've made a decision and there will be something happening in the future i think that's a very sort of you know, political response in the sense that they failed in the very short term to do something so what they're now saying is they're setting target for a longer term they'll say this is what's going to be happening in the future the, one of the big risks that they've got is that um yeah they'll they'll put all their eggs into the nuclear basket which as far as we're concerned is is it's sort of the inevitable consequence of deciding to build one nuclear power station and then as has happened in the past they announce a program of 10 and they only manage to bring one or two online and you've got a situation then where not only have we delayed our emissions reductions we're actually going to fail to meet any you know any future reductions
Some people are talking about decentralised energy. What does that mean? Well, decentralised options uh, are uh, tend to be much smaller generating technologies, um, and whereas um, nuclear power stations and most uh, power stations in this country are based on transmission lines. They're very large-scale stations, remote, uh, you know, they're away from the centres where people use use the, their output. They're, they're based on transmission lines, so uh, the power has to be shipped from you know, over long distances from one place to where it's used. Um, decentralised options are smaller technologies, often renewables, but that yet also, for example, combined heat and power plants that are sited much nearer to the, to the place where the power is used. So not only do they have a reduced environmental impact, particularly in, in the case of renewables, because they don't emit carbon dioxide, you've also got things like you've reduced the losses of power um, by, transporting heat, uh, by transporting the electricity from one place to another. So they're, they're sort of more efficient and more um, environmentally sustainable uh, energy options in that sense. That's all very well, but surely a major resource for an island like the UK is wave and tidal power. That's nowhere near homes and cities. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, my view of a sort of decentralised system is exactly the same as Bridget's, except that I kind of expand on that. So that I think that um, whilst there will always... What, what you want, really, is, is an electricity system which allows um, anyone to generate... Uh, whatever they want to, wherever they want to. So that might be at a household level or a community level or a sort of a mid-level or at a bigger level that we currently have, but also offshore as well, uh, so that there might be very large offshore wind farms and there might be um, uh, offshore uh, wave uh, wave parks, whatever. The point about renewables and losses is that it doesn't matter if you're if you're if you if you are losing electricity because there is no carbon attached to each kilowatt that you've lost if you have a coal p- plant and um it's it's a long way from any center which is going to use that electricity you will lose a very large part of the coal um uh, along the way as losses and all of those losses have carbon dioxide attached to them. If you have renewables and you're generating them a long way away and you're transporting them a long way away and there are also losses attached to them, it really doesn't matter because you're not actually um, losing it in terms of carbon losses. But surely the point here is that the current national grid is actually set up to have these big power stations tucked away somewhere safe putting the power into the system aren't we going to have to completely revamp our national grid and isn't that going to take time money and carbon resources well we, we have to do that anyway i mean all these systems only have a certain life span um and we have to upgrade and change those systems all the time um it's so it's not a problem that we are changing that system to move uh, with technologies in fact 50 years ago it, it all tend to tended to be more small and then it moved over a 50-year period to these sort of large centralised plants and now the most efficient way is to kind of move back down so that you, you're having uh, power plants that are, uh, are smaller and closer to areas demand on the whole. Do you think people are going to accept these small power plants right next to their homes, these great big 
turbines sitting on the hills ruining our landscapes, these tidal, tidal resources which are going to spoil everybody's fun at the seaside, um, these large turbines hacking our birds out of the sky. Do you think they're going to accept this? I mean, it's true that all um, ways of generating electricity have an environmental cost, um, and you know, sometimes that's visual, sometimes that's in terms of you know, noise or whatever. The um, thing to emphasise about renewable technologies is that those impacts are short-term. They, they're there for the life of the generating plant and they go away. If you have, build nuclear power stations, which also are visually intrusive, which also make a lot of noise, which also, uh, but also discharge nuclear waste and create nuclear waste, um, you, you're creating um, environmental impacts that expand decades, you know, generations into the future. Um, I think people are gradually becoming more aware of the of of the potential, for example, for um, uh, for generating their own electricity and the sort of sense of independence that can give them, as well as the fact that they can then sell any excess back into the into the grid. Um, and so you've got, for example, David Cameron has just put a micro turbine on his on his house um, as a sort of as a as a demonstration of his sense of personal commitment to the idea of having a more decentralised energy system. Oh come on, just because some politician has has made his point you can't power an entire city or an entire town by this stuff surely you can and there's loads of evidence of uh, cities that uh, where that's the case i i think the other thing to think i'm sorry name one well well most of denmark for its start so seven yes at times 76 percent of jutland uh is entirely wind generated i think the other thing to to keep in mind is that you know all independent public surveys which are asked about uh, what kind of forms of energy people want the type of energy that people want is renewable that's their first choice now there are what does the guy in the street know about renewable energies well, it's a surprising about? amount now yeah, I, th- I think that, I don't think you can underestimate no. people's ideas about renewable. They may not yeah. know technical details of how a wind yeah. turbine operates, but they know that they prefer their power to come from yeah. a renewable source than from a fossil fuel source or from a nuclear source. And, and even when you get down to micro level, so when people are sort of saying to them, "Well, would you have a wind farm near you, or would you have this or that near you?" It is true that some some people don't like the idea of having a wind farm near them. But the thing that they don't want near them more than a wind farm is a nuclear power plant. Isn't it the fact that nuclear power has been perfectly safe? We've been running these things for 50 years. This is just a case of them not getting their PR right, isn't it? Um, I don't think you can call nuclear power safe. Um, I mean, uh, it routinely discharges radioactivity into the environment, which is a threat to you know, humans and wildlife alike. Um, and in addition to that, you've got the risk of a catastrophic nuclear accident. And although they may be rare, um, as the nuclear industry always likes to point out, um, the fact is when they happen, they are catastrophic. And so um, nearly 20 years after Chernobyl, um, you've still got farms in Scotland, Wales and Northern England that are operating under restrictions because of the level of fallout from, those, from, that, from that reactor. But Chernobyl was, a, was an exceptional event. I mean, this, this yes, was a bunch of people actually turning off the safety systems to see what happened next. That isn't the kind of thing which is going to happen in a well-regulated 
service? No, the fact is that um, most nuclear accidents are, in fact, are, are related to human error. Um, and that, you know, humans are just as capable of making errors in the UK as they are in Russia or in Japan, as has happened, or in the US, as happened with Three Mile Island. Um, you know, you can, while you can sort of bolt things onto reactors to improve their, their safety credentials, you can never um, completely... Um, predict how how human how humans are going to interact with that technology, and that's where one of the greatest risks of nuclear power lies. Do you think the prime minister will listen? I think he's largely made up his mind that he would like to have new nuclear power stations. Um, I think that's connected to his his posturing as an international leader in terms of climate change, um, and also bizarrely, he's he he does have a track record of liking the nuclear industry because it's sort of shiny white white heat of technology type links I suppose so I think he's largely made up his mind that he wants nuclear power uh, trying to persuade him otherwise will be difficult but on the other hand um, I think his the, yeah, the sort of the, the government's rather than Tony Blair's um, commitment to nuclear power is um, is is based on a, on a misunderstanding of, of how energy systems work and that they think that nuclear power can be a complementary technology, that it won't undermine the development of renewables and energy efficiency. Um, so it's down to people like us to persuade them that, um, that that's not the case. Dr Bridget Woodman, Dr Catherine Mitchell, thank you very much.